Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, been a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. He's got some food in his bedding thicket. Um, Saving the spot for the rug. It's a nice... It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 50 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. We're up here in the Rack Shelf Studio of Ingram's Outdoor Obsession. Picked up our bucks tonight. We picked up four bucks, uh, 17 and 18 kills. We're taking home a lot of inches tonight. Ingram's crushed every mount. Uh, we we put a lot of we put a lot of stress on him. We put a lot of uniqueness on our stuff that we wanted, and and he absolutely crushed it. We're coming at you with. Uh, we're going to talk about the mounts a little bit. We're also going to talk about. He's been successful this year. Oh, and good friend Ryan's been successful both in October pre rut. Um, we're going to both break down those stories, why they were successful, what they did different, maybe to make them be successful this year. Uh, it's going to be a good show. We're in a new place. We got the mobile setup. Um, we got a lot of racks in here, a lot more than our studio. We do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're about to pump that up when we put all these in there, but, uh, but, uh, let's, let's get into the people who make it possible and get into this show. Uh, let's start with the VIP veteran broadhead. You guys know the four blades out. We're shooting them. Um, we're going to start putting some critters down with us. We're going to be at, at ATA show. We're going to be at the VIP booth talking about this four blade, showing it to the public. Um, I know that's in January, but really, man, it's November right now. It's not very far out. So. I was going to say, if you take the start of season and just compare it to now, like the first first of November, 
like it's it's gonna be here before you know it. Yeah. So we'll be at ATA. Um, if you guys want to check the four blade out, that's where to be, man. Uh, like I said, a lot of people are gonna be blown away by this head and uh, gonna gonna want to use it. So let's get into the VIP veteran broadhead shout out. This week's VIP veteran broadhead shout out is Gavin Porter. Uh, this was sent us sent to us by Instagram. Um, he was in the U.S. Army from 2016 to 2019 as an MOS 12B as a combat engineer. So kind of runs along with the theme of the combat veteran. And uh, Gavin, we appreciate your service. And we appreciate talking with you, getting to know you a little bit uh, through Instagram and um, everything that you did for us, for everybody from here, Whitetail Legacy and the VIP family. Yep, we appreciate it, Gavin. Thanks for everything you did. Um, let's get into Ingram Outdoor Obsession. I mean, I don't even know what to say about that, dude. Just, like I said, we said he crushed it, but, I mean, just the comments that you've guys seen, you, you've seen our live videos, um, absolutely blown away by the mounts, the friendship, um, pretty much family now, brothers, I'd like to say. Like I said, I got to go on his track job of his buck. I mean, just epic stuff. Um, and I hope for just years and years of coming up here to pick up bucks, man. Uh, uh, luckily, hopefully, maybe we can kill something this <laughs> year. Right? Come pick up one next year, but uh, we we'll see a, how it goes. We need a little luck to make a return trip yeah. up here. Yeah, that is for sure. But you, uh, you dropped off a little something tonight. I did. So. I, did. I dropped off my Oklahoma Rio. Um, went through the catalog a little bit. Um, still not sure what, what the hell I'm going to do, but um, I'm going to look at it again, and I'm going to have to make a choice because he's going to crush it. Yeah, whatever it is, he's gonna crush. He got a turkey over there. I would there say he's got one clover. over there on the floor that I'm looking at, and I'm just like, yeah. I like it. I would just end up doing a full strut, like yeah. just quit being dumb, trying to be cute, just, just do a full just strut. Just do a normal turkey mount, like what you're supposed to do, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So let's get into uh, EC Ingram Custom Woodworking ECW. Um, they are sponsoring all of our blogs now, and his elk call is out. And I'm blown away by the success that I'm hearing about his out call. We haven't even seen his out call, which I'm pretty, no. I'm pretty upset about. But he's made a custom out call, and he's selling it out west. And that guy just shot a hammer on it. He did. I'm like, I was not expecting that on the picture message yeah, from from Jeff. Super cool. So uh, I sent it to the group guy with just a stud of an elk, yeah. and uh, said it was called in by. His elk call. So. I know, so that's pretty epic. Was, uh, yeah. He said he called him in and then he bought five. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, man, must be pretty good. <laughs> so uh, you can find him out, uh, Gander Outdoors, um, any of the Gander Outdoor stores that are still open, he's going to be in all them. Um, and uh, EmbryCustomWordWorkings.com. It's getting the scent lock. Still out there. I'm still rocking that bag. Um, that thing is super solid. Um, the closet, a lot of people have been talking about the closet lately. Um yeah, we've we've uh, given a given the hint to a couple of people that they need the closet. Yeah, so. homies got the closet. I ain't got the space. I do. I got a one ninety two taking up my closet <laughs> space. <laughs> oh, bird, <laughs> bird. All right. Well, let's get into the show. Um, Ingram, first of all, thanks for letting us fight up, have a podcast, pick up our bucks, turn your garage into a live <laughs> Instagram <laughs> social media yeah. space. But um, it's all in it's all in good fun and just. Uh, Try to show a thank you to all the hard work that you put in and in these mounts, and um, I guess just thank you, man. I don't I don't know what else to say. We became friends. I mean, from you starting to taxidermist me, being like, yeah, I'll take a buck there a few years ago to now, the friendship that we have is pretty 
pretty awesome. So I appreciate you, man. I Absolutely. honestly do. As a friend, as a taxidermist, that's like we said. We said it a couple of times. He's not only a taxidermist, he's a friend. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and it's cool when you can have that taxidermist that you have a relationship <laughs> with. And I was leaving my house today to go hunt before we before I come up here. And I was like, all right. I want to wear rubber boots up at Ingram's. <laughs> and I looked right at him before I left, and I was like, oh, yeah. It reminded myself to take my other boots and put them in the truck. And I just left my rubber boots right there next to, next to my motorcycle. And then I come up here, and, of course, Ingram's wearing rubber boots. Oh, I'm yes. Like, Damn rubber, it. Rubber boot season is here. Yes, Dude, rubber boot season is in. in. It's like <laughs> eight months of the year for Ingram. Rubber boots. Yes. Is in. <laughs> But uh, I mean, you got you got the studio looking super nice. You got turkeys, you got ducks, you got deer, you got pedestals, backpack mounts, pretty much whatever you want, man. And, say he's got it covered. I mean, and just the short time that you've been doing this, it's it's incredible to see how fast you've grown and how people are recognizing, like, okay, this guy's he's legit. You know what I mean? So going full time was huge. I know we've told a lot of listeners about that. But uh, let's let's break it down. Let's talk about you going full time, and maybe then break down into what you what you're hoping this this year might be, and how you've grown over the past couple of years. Yes, we we first started. I I can't remember correctly. I think it was we probably took in 15 deer or so, and uh, that exploded quickly. And you know, I never I would never thought I would be full time, but it just got to the point where it was make or break it. You know, we were getting enough work in. I wasn't setting a, you know, a cap. I was just bringing in, you know, 60 deer and real quickly learned that doing both, you know, two jobs, it, it wasn't going to work. I was either going to have to cap it at 30 or, or try to turn it into something. And I, I wanted, I wanted to give it a shot and see what I could turn it into. So, uh, this year has been, October has just been good. Uh, we've had a couple cold fronts and guys are out there getting it done. So starting to see some little bigger ones come in. So I think, Based off my numbers, I think I think the week or the ruts week early. I think seven ten days early. I mean, I usually don't get these numbers until now. You know. Yeah. You know, end of end of October, beginning of November seventh, and and it gets better from there. But it seems to be early this year. Yeah, I think those cold fronts had a huge, huge fluctuation in the big deer. You know, getting up a lot of a lot of three and a half, four and a half year old deer out there checking out what's going on. I think seeing, but. Like you said, I'm I'm super jacked that you went full time. I know that's was kind of a dream for you. We talked about it a lot and um it makes me and homie proud to to even if we could help you out with one mount, you know, what I mean, just give you a little bit to really to really help your dream come true cuz you know, when you when you partnered with us a long time ago, we were small, you know, and we had a dream and it's growing, you know, slowly. Um, and you've seen something of us and we've seen something in you. And now we look at these mounts here and we're like, holy shit, dude, this guy, like, I don't know. I don't know a better taxidermist around right now. Be honest with you. That can nail the stuff that we brought to you. You know, the vast variety. That's something you guys kind of started was the, you know, the kind of exotic mounts. And now, you know, I, I shot that 10 this year and I'm picking out mounts. I'm like, well, I just don't want a shoulder mount. I want to do something <laughs> yeah. crazy. You know? Yeah, you want something a little different, and, you know. And it's what people like. And I get that a lot. I get guys that come to me that have got literally 30 shoulder mounts on their wall. And they're like, throw something crazy. I mean, people are kind of getting bored with them. So I'm going to keep that going. And Yeah, and I think it's a good idea. Stuff and, I think when people see you nail it like that, they're like, okay, wow. You know what I mean? Because people, it's hard. Like when they look at a deer, they're like, okay, shoulder mount. I got a couple full sneak, you know, head up, left turn. I got options, but I don't have like 
all right, I want a tree and I want in the background <laughs> over here, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so there's a lot of where I want a backpack mount, I want some arrows, I want them to look dead, but you know, I mean that's that's tough. So, but you nailed it. So you know, and the thing we're talking about is not like you know how big the rack is, or you know the position of the rack. Which I, mean, I guess the position of the rack kind of goes into it. But we're talking about you know how the hide looks, how the ears are positioned, um, you know the squint of the eyeballs, um, you know really the detail that you know we talk about week in and week out of your work, and um, you know coming up here picking up you know actually our deer yeah you know has really just showcased that and um you know it's it's which what you are becoming known for so um props to you on that you know being known for the the detail guy yeah that's pretty solid we got people message us from georgia and kentucky they're like hey man i want to send your deer and that's that just shows you that if i mean you do excellent quality work i got a buck that's been sitting in my garage for three years and the thing's still solid you know a lot of tax right. members would be like don't do that you know what i mean and it's probably not the right place for it because it's not in that climate <laughs> control area but with a tan tide you ain't got to worry about it you know and and compared to that other what buck that I got that was mounted by another taxidermist. With the loose antlers. With the loose antlers. <laughs> I think the skull plate broke in half on that thing because I can wiggle the antlers about an inch. Yeah. So that might be a remount in a few years. But uh, it's like I said, I'm, I'm just glad that we partnered together. Maybe the together year and... you take off hunting, we can remount it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take off hunting? I better have two broken legs or something crazy going on. <laughs> Maybe your Rainer and Bladen both do like, well, yeah, Dad, I yeah, I want to kill a giant. Yeah. Yeah. Rainer's like, yeah, I'm just gonna wait till Bladen's old enough to go. Yeah, that'd be epic. I have no tree stands to set in. <laughs> I'm still hunting 38 acres. They pretty much got her maxed out, so I guess I'll just hunt the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that would be sick. Ground game strong. Yes. All right, let's get into your buck, Ingram. So. Um, you were successful on a dandy. I got to get it go long. I was basically like, dang, I was like texting him like, oh, I know. do you need any help? Like, you know, do you need anybody to go with you? Like, you probably need somebody. <laughs> yeah, to you hold probably need someone. To, like, I just, you know me, I just like to be involved in that <laughs> right. stuff. It don't matter who it is, and especially a good friend. Like, I mean, we had some high fives out there, some bro time. Like, nice. yeah. And I think I was more jacked than Ingram, to be honest with you. He's like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm like, no, that's a giant, dude. That's a, that's <laughs> awesome deer. You know what I mean? I was pretty. I think, I think texting me shop kind of ruins you on that. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. You're like, you handle some Mr. Freezes and then you, you shoot a 140 and you're like, yeah. Yeah, that's a decent. I'm like, no, that's a mega, dude. That's an awesome buck. You know, I mean, that's a sick, you know, and mass goes a long way. And yeah. That's what everybody always says. Mass goes a long way. And I think that's kind of the frame is true, the frame you know? is there yeah know? the frame is definitely there you know nice big solid tin yeah. um i think me and you are both shooting that i think everybody in this room right now is shooting that mm -hmm. so um no reason to downplay it or anything nah, but not at all. It, was, it was a good time damn good deer well yeah that's so you had a kind of a dry spell there you were trying to do the full-time job plus the tax nervous so i'd like to go ahead and break down so this was a, a pre-rut, rut success. I'd like to go ahead and break down the hunt of how it happened, and then I'd also like to tell you the differences, why you think it happened compared, because you went on a four-year streak, right? 2012 was my last minute. I shot a five-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah, point. so you went on a pretty good streak and not killing. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to know what you did different from this year to to all the years prior to that. Okay. Um, one of the biggest things is I went in this spring and started the work, and uh, – 
we burned and then we mowed a big spot off and we i would it's probably a quarter acre uh we put a food plot in and it's uh we put ground blind on the east end of it so we got clover and some uh some grasses close to the ground blind and then the rest of the food plot we put in some brassicas along with some wheat and rye and uh early season it hasn't really you know the big bucks are not they're not nothing's nailing it the brassicas aren't you know quite well yet but uh it definitely lets you get your inventory you know they're walking through it you're, you're seeing what's there um but stand locations i i've been hunting the same stands honestly for the whole time i've been out there i think i've been out there probably six years now and they, the stand doesn't change and where i hunted day by day didn't change where now it's you know you guys know it's a study you get you get your phone out what's the wind direction what's this what's that <laughs> i've been grinding at that and went in and I had all my stands were in the timber. So I was dropping down in there all the time and I could show you on trail cameras. How I was, how I might as well have been screaming, letting the doe need, you know, let them know where I was. So I pulled everything out of the timber and I got on the edges. I let the deer have that, leave it alone. Don't step in. And I just hunt the perimeters of it and huge difference on trail cam. I mean, you can, they're not, you're not bumping them. You're not spooking them. They're coming back. I leave their back, you know? So that was the biggest thing is not putting pressure on them. I was, going down in, find me a good crit crossing and sitting on him. And I don't even, I don't even step in there now. And in, not saying I wouldn't in the rut, I wouldn't go do a pinch in the rut, but early season, just hunting the edges. And I went in and put uh, four, four new sets in. Um, I got, you know, kind of guy told me his experience with hanging them high, you know, getting out of their vision and getting your scent clear up above them where it doesn't, you know, where you can play, play the wind. You could be a little more dangerous with it because they, you know, they can't wind you, you know, not close, you know, and notice a huge difference with that. The deer are clueless. I mean, I could probably stand up and jump, and you're not even if they look up. I'm most of my stands are, I'd say, no more than 24 feet, 25 feet, but right in that range. A and, lot of people say my stand 20 feet, but then when you see a 20 feet stand, you're like, right. man, that is high. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, so I, and I, I put lifelines in, and that's made me a lot more comfortable with it. But first time I hung the stand, it, you know, it's. 25 foot sticks and I'm right, you know, I got about a foot from them. So 24 feet, it takes some adjusting. I mean, you get up there mm. and sit for about 10 minutes. Don't talk to me. I just got to sit here. For yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm comfortable with it now. And like I said, I, the deer can get in and you can reach for your bow differently. You can maneuver, you know, they, you know, it's definitely an advantage. Um, on this buck, he, uh, I've got, you know, some two or three shooters, I'd say on camera, this one showed up on the, 24th and uh 5 50 in the morning going into the bedding area with a two-year-old um i hunted that night and i know i was close to him that two-year-old came out and uh dark came you know didn't see him but i knew and it, it took me walking out to check a camera on the way out and i realized that, that was the two-year-old that came out and got on camera again in daylight and i thought all right you know two-year-old stepped out i think i was sitting within 100 yards of this 10 point that night so I knew he was in there. Uh, my next opportunity to get out was the 28th, and uh, he hadn't been on camera since, but he, he was close. I, it was pretty slow. The cameras had actually from the 24th to the 28th were pretty slow. I didn't have. I think I had a two-year-old on there, and I knew he was in there. And, it, and all my cameras were kind of on the south end, and he wasn't on any of them. And uh, that two-year-old he came back, so I thought, all right. So I I set let the night do its thing, and about five o'clock, I was wanting. It's a small property, so if that buck gets up on his feet, it's not long. He's somewhere else. So I thought, 
I'm going to rattle early enough that I know he's still bedded or, or a buck, you know, not, I, there was other ones in there I was expecting, but I want to rattle early enough. So I know they don't get up, man, within minutes they're off this property. So about five, I said it, you know, five o'clock, I looked at it, it was five Oh three. I stood up, faced my tree. I rattled. And the reason I did that was I got caught, uh, two years ago, I got caught just rattling like a madman and I didn't have a setup where I could get them put away quick. And I got caught or it come running in and there I was standing with my antlers and I had to get them put away, <laughs> not make noise, get my bow off the hook. So I turned and got myself set up. I rattled I, and I hung them up and uh, I heard just snap one pop right on the field edge in the corner. And I heard it, but I can't see that inside sweep. So I'm looking and not seeing anything. Well, then down in the draw, I, the little, a year old, you know, year and a half old was down on the bottom coming running up the hill so I kind of looked over at that, and I just happened to look back, and here he come. That 10-point, it came out. He just stepped out about 30 yards out, and he was circling downwind and just kind of ruffled up. He was ready. Yeah, just enough time. You know, I reached over and grabbed the bow, and I had to stop him as I drew and uh, didn't see the impact. So right, right away, I was texting Cody like, hey, I just, I just hammered one. I know I hit it. I don't know. I did not see the impact. And it, usually I do, you know. I'd, I shot that crossbow and I, you couldn't see impact. You had almost had to have Luminox, but I'm, I got rid of that. I'm back to my compound and I usually always see impact and it just didn't. I just think the dry spell and big buck, I think I closed my eyes and let her eat. You know? Yeah. Seeing Brown <laughs> on the shoulder. Yeah. Like, I yeah. I'm in. But I knew I hit it. I heard the sound and his reaction was good to tail one up and just stiff as a two by four, you know, and he went down in the bottom and I heard him stop, but it sounded reckless how he got there. You know, it was, he was running hard, but no crash, you know, so uh, we ended up, Cody came out and I had found the arrow had broken half and blood looked good and at the, at the shot site. And I was, I was thinking this isn't, this isn't good. And Cody, he, you know, he's done this. So we start walking. Cody's like, we got this, we got this, you know, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how far do you say he went, right? Yeah. 90, maybe yeah. 85. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, the, uh, obviously, you know, I could work during the day. I can get out in the evenings. I'm not usually when I've worked, I've always worked an hour away somewhere. So getting back to hunt stand time is probably the biggest factor, but the, the what I'm learning about the food plot, it's not, I don't think based off what I've learned so far, not necessarily you're going to shoot a big deer on the food plot. It's just, it's like, they know it's there. They'll come in at nighttime. They just kind of prim it. They don't come on camera all the time, but they're not far from it. They mm. know, they know where the food's there. I think they actually know where the camera is. Yeah. And we got one on a stick and pick that we'll get them on, and then we won't get them again. But then we'll get them on another cam, and they're in the area. Yeah. I feel like they know where that cam is. I don't know if it makes a noise yeah. or what it does. The you know it lights up or whatever. I feel like they know it's not right, but they're not scared enough to leave, but they're in the area. And I still think they feed in that food plot because, I mean, homie's seen it. A buck in daylight on the food plot we've never had a picture of on the food plot before because um, the food plot's on the bottom and he's all the way on the top feeding. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a lot of it is they know where that cam is. They might feed in it, but they're off off frame, yeah. you know what I mean? And we had does entering the food plot up on the top end where we were. Um, we had does entering the food plot differently than we thought we had them on cam. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I feel like if we had a cam, you know, over there at the middle of the evergreen, like we could maybe catch both, 
but you know what we definitely seen like a actual deer do um was you know literally split through the trees uh the next day we went in there pulled stands and then uh i noticed a scrape back there so um there's there's heavy heavy traffic in between the two cedars so mm. something we thought like but what didn't use is that's how they're accessing yeah. the fields. So, you though. know, when you think 90% of the traffic is going to be, you know, through the actual pinch of the corner, um, deer actually coming up to it and then going backwards. Like using the little cover into, and yeah, getting into it. To so. get into it. So Almost like they can check the food plot and cover, look out in it. Okay, it's good. Instead of just walking out in the open and not, yep. now I'm already in it. And they can use that cedar to, because that's what that doe did. She came to the edge, looked. And then she just ran out into it. Yeah, looked, looked, seen that buck on the scrape. Yeah, and she's and like, oh, it's good. Was and like, okay, so he's out there, so it must be decent. And then literally went backwards 15 yards, boom. Literally skirted through the cedar, you know, uh, cedar perimeter, I guess, mm. and was riding through the plot. And then, I mean, I'm assuming it was a doe. I mean, yeah. I think it was a fawn. Um, whether it was a, it had to be a, had to be a doe, but. Um, yeah, that, that buck that was on the scrape went out and bumped her a couple of times and, um, then he moved on, but you know, that, that just goes to show like, you know, you could literally like the damn cameras eight yards from the tree, literally mm -hmm. eight yards from the tree. We would have never got a picture of how that doe entered. Yeah. Though. Never got a picture of, or Intel of how that doe entered the top end of the food plot. And, uh, if we weren't there, we, we wouldn't know how. She would have got there, but we would have gotten a picture of her at dark, I'm mm -hmm. assuming. I, yeah. I, I didn't. That just goes back to you saying that, you know, they use it, but they don't always, they're not always on on a day. Like, like you think you're going to plant a food plot. Oh, they're going to be here in the evening feeding. It's going to be fire, you know, and it's not, it's not like that unless you have like a giant, yeah. you know, something like major food source. Yeah. Here. And last year we had a ton of traffic right through that corner. And that's why we kind of have the camera the way that we do and the food plot shaped the way that we do because we have seen past traffic, you know, yeah. be funneled that way. So we're like, okay, we need to do this. And then they the do the complete plot. opposite thing when you, know, you get yeah. there. And then <laughs> like they say, you know, they say, you know, you have a doe, you know, just skirt through the, yeah. the, the cedars and you're not even, you're not even game planning. Like that's the spot where the wagon blind is going. Yeah. We're going to have to move that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was nice to nice to see that and you know make a game plan to shift mm -hmm. shift now so yeah, so the other thing i think i can add you know add to the success is you know throughout the week i got my schedule what i need to get done like wednesday's the only day i can hunt this week if the wind's not right wednesday's not happening i've done that twice this year it was like get a southwest wind and I'm, you know it's just not good for my where i can get in right now with the crops being in uh paying a lot you know normally in the morning, hunting clothes, they go on. I'd put them on in the morning, hop in my truck and get out there. Now, even if it's 20 degrees out, I'm down to my boxers next to the truck, putting all <laughs> my stuff on, and I hunt and I get back. I take it off, put it back in the bag, goes on it, and, and I've stuck to that. And I I always would say almost, you know, every three hunts, I'd, something would blow at me, and I haven't had that happen this year. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of it. It's a little more work and got to freeze a little bit, but I think that, that helps a lot. You mentioned uh, when we were walking in that your access was different, where you kept bumping deer. 
mm-hmm. some you just some does, you know, and mm-hmm. you were thinking, oh, it's just some does, no big deal. But you changed that this year. Mm-hmm. And go ahead and go into that a little bit. I think that was a huge key was, too. Uh, so the only way I can access, it's kind of a different property, but the only way I can get in was along this big finger. And you get down to where it, it meets the main draw, and I'm constantly bumping deer out of there. Uh, this year being beans, it had been a little bit harder with corn, but this year with beans, I just – I'd get in about 50 yards and I'd just cut up across the bean field. Yeah, and you take like a 300 yard mm-hmm. detour yep. of the easier walk. Yep. And then what I, I've set in the ground about a couple of times this year that's close to the plot just to kind of, I just kind of wanted just to see deer on the plot because mm-hmm. it's rewarding, you know, just to see them out there yeah. feeding, getting a lot of one and a half year olds and does that'll feed it in the evening. So they're coming out of that spot where I'm normally busting them out of there. And what I was busting out for a couple of years, I have no idea, but I, it was the only way I thought, you know, that was the easiest way to get in. Yeah, sometimes so, when you're out there, you're just like, okay, this is my line of travel. It's the quickest way I can get in the stand, less no, the most, you know, least noise I can make yeah. and get in there. And then sometimes that's the wrong way. If yeah. you, you might have to make a little more noise going a different way or yeah, a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. But if it's the right way to get away from the deer, then and even even going in that way, there was a time this year when it it was just a perfect evening. I wanted to be on that red stand in the bedding area. And getting in there, I it was so loud. And the food plot, the trail camera, you know, there was nothing good on it. I had made it to the food plot, and I needed to go 100, another, another 100 yards and drop into the bedding area and walk in about 10 yards just to get to my tree. I'm like, I can't. It's, I, every step I took was just so loud. I just settled for the food plot that night, sat in the ground blind. Mm-hmm. I think in the past I would have just barged right in there because that's where I'm sitting. But just kind of been trying to play it smart and, you know, Took played a, a little safe, a huh? One. Yeah, took a little, played a little safe. That's <laughs> right? a that's a score for not homie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say you know that's kind of like me, um, you know, getting new access into the neighbors and being able to just pop in, you know, sixty yards where I need to be on like the front door of the of the doe uh, do bedding. You know, um, I hunted there a couple times and like her dog would just bark at my truck, you know? So, cause he, he wasn't out when I was walking through the field, but you know, he would, he would bark at my truck. So I had to beat the dog to beat the deer because I'm like, you know, every day there's deer here on trail camp, whether it's does or, you know, shooter bucks. And then all of a sudden the morning that I'm there, like I have no deer, no deer that'd be on cam, not even, right. not even a deer that wouldn't be on cam. Like, I mean, come on. So, um, you know, it took me a couple sits to realize, you know, cause I mean, he's only 120 yards away barking straight up. So, um, there's other factors that, you know, you always have to think about when you're, when you're analyzing trail cam data to actual what's going on in the field. Like tonight, you know, I had a, had a doe come in and she was she was within 25 yards for 45 minutes and then didn't finally cross the mobile cam until the last five minutes that i seen her so you know it, i mean it's it's a it's a toss-up of you know everybody really relies on trail cams but then when you actually go out there and sit and observe mm-hmm. you know whether trail cams actually telling you so yep. you know that's just it it hurts and it hinders you at at a great at a great scale, you know. Yep. You get that you get that great buck on cam. You're like, oh, this is the one I'm going after, 
and then you don't get him, and but so you think he's gone, but he's he's been there the whole time. Yeah, I started a notebook this year on. So if you like Weather Underground, you can go back and look at past weather and you can type it in. I started a notebook when I get pictures and I started early tracking the does and fawns and what are they doing when the wind's this and that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's probably per property because bedding areas are set where they are. But I feel like there's a slight pattern to it and I've been checking it. And and of course, when there's a shooter buck or even a two and a half year old, what are they doing and when? And all that's possibly about to make no sense with the rut, but there's a slight pattern to it. It's a little off, but I just, you know, I've just been keeping those notes and I, and that helps a lot on where I, you know, pick and stand location. One, I feel is a good spot, but it's, you know, you get the right wind and they're there, but my stand's not in the right spot. And I know that now, and I just hung it, spent the time on it, cleared it. And I already think I got to move it. You know, that's, mm-hmm. they're using that with this wind that it's got to move. So when in the past you would have just hunted, you know, yep. I mean, instead of, yep. instead of saying, well, I it's All already work, here. It up, I got to take yeah, it down. You got to take it down. Yeah. So I think a lot of it goes back to like a lot of we say on this show, you know, the effort that you're putting in is there way more than it was, you know, um, you're being more strategic. Sometimes people think like, oh, it's a deer. I'm just going to go in here. But sometimes you got You can be too strategic, but then there's times you need to be. Mm-hmm. And our big thing is access, change your access and time and stand. You change mm-hmm. your time and stand. Mm-hmm. That's the number two, number one and number two thing that we always say on this podcast that kills big deer access has got to be right mm-hmm. where you're not bumping them out and you got to just be in a tree. You just got to set there. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of people that say you only got it. You only need to hunt targeted days. And like, it's not good whether you do, you know, you hunt or not. And what we say is like on those targeted days, that's when we hunt our best stands. But if we have a 5% chance of killing on the day and we can hunt being a dad with kids and work, we're going to hunt mm-hmm. whether we mean we've went into hunts like, we're not going to see shit. And we know it, right? But the chance of one getting bumped by a farmer coming in or something's still there. So you still got to hunt, but you got to yeah. play those non, non 50% chance stands. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people that have been doing it a long time, they're like, time and stand doesn't kill, strategics kill. Yeah. But I feel like guys that are at our stage, they don't have the ground or or the chance to bump a deer and then be like, oh, I bumped that deer, so I'm going to go over here and hunt this deer. Like, we have that small property where the deer that we have is what we have. Yep. You have to hunt, but you have to hunt smart. Yep. And you can't you can't play, well, it's a good day, so I'm going to go in. You know what I mean? Yep. It's got to be it's got to be the right time. you got to feel really good before. I mean, we've, we've set three times on our private all year, and it's been in the last, you know, five days. Yeah. yeah. So... Oh, I would say we, we, we put up a hard question on Twitter and, you know, it was, we had a lot of responses, you know, talking about, well, if I, if I just go in there and bump deer, then so what? Like, we don't know exactly like their circumstances of, you know, what land they're hunting. They might have 250 acres. They might have 2000 acres, but you know, just from what Cody and I are hunting, you know, right now we have maybe 38 yeah i would say acres. i would say 40 so yeah would it would just round rounded off at 40 acres and you know uh maybe 12 or 13 14 of it is actual timber so we just can't go in there and just bump deer off and just be like oh yeah you know it's no big deal you know he'll he'll come back well he's, yeah he's probably gonna come back but it, it definitely gonna be nocturnal the first time so um you know we're more aware and methodical about where we enter and exit 
And because like tonight, you know, I even I had a Dauphin and I, I might have exited and crossed that creek in front of me and then walked out, you know, the long way. So then I had, you know, a 400 yard walk instead of 250 yard walk to the truck. So it's just you got to be willing to do the extra to keep the deer, you know, feeling safe. So mm-hmm. I think just using strategy, I felt that night when I left when that two year old came out that went into the bedding area with him that morning. I kind of felt check, you know, I had him in check that night. He was there. That buck was yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Whether he stayed bedded or headed north, I don't know. But he probably that stayed night bedded. walking out, I thought, I'm going to get you. If you're, yeah. He's going to slip up here. And I don't think he would on the 28th. I mean, it were, we were, bucks were starting to cruise a little bit and kind of hitting their scrapes. No chasing going on with mature bucks. But, mm-hmm. of course, a year and a half olds are. And, but I, I felt walking out that night that that was close. I think rattling was key. Yeah, you know, that, you, knew that, you knew that he was the mature buck in the area. You knew that he had kind of made this his area the last few days. And uh, it was a new buck to the property, too. And I think that's key, too, because when we get a new buck in the past, it seems like they're more dominant because they don't really know what's in the area. They haven't filled it out. You know what I mean? So that's a new buck that showed up. You went in and challenged him and said, hey, you know, kind of what's up? And he was like, well, I'm going to go out there to at least see what's going on. There's a couple couple bucks moving in on my area. And uh you got it done. That's the main thing. I mean, you put a hell of a shot on it. Deer didn't go far and uh, wrapped up, and you you ended a dry streak that, like, if you hunt like that, you're never going to have a dry streak again. Right. It's just, just what, like, people think it's incredibly hard to kill these deer, and it is. You you have to have a little bit of luck, but you people, you have to put in the work. You know, mm-hmm. that's the main thing. Yep. And I just not blind luck anymore it's, yeah it's work but. and if you want to kill like you know year after year of year and and people are thinking like well you got to have the ground you got to have this you got to have that you don't you you got to have a little bit of that but you don't really need to you can get it done a really nice deer off of just pure drive to get it done and that's what you did you had a pure drive to get it done you started early you had all your stands trimmed you're ready to go you had the flu plot done you, you run a trail cameras earlier you're targeting deer, you're thinking about access, and then boom, you get it done, and then all that stuff, it all comes back. Well, like, man, if I would have walked past this area and bumped him, maybe he would have been gone. Or if I didn't have this food plot, would he have been bedded this close? You know, there's a lot of stuff that plays into it. Yeah, like, I'm not saying, you know, um, that you've had a lot of time to hunt, because I know, I know this fall has been a super big change for you, but I think you hunting smart has had a lot of lot of um factor in the you know you being successful because say if you weren't you know hunting smart like you know hunting the wind and you know doing stuff like that like you could have been in there on that stand on the wrong wind blowing right to his bedding you know and just blew him out and i mean i'm sure cody and i have blown enough to out to know that it takes a while before before he comes back, you know, he's probably going to need a hot dough to come back, you know, to, yep. you know, he's, cause he's going to think about it twice. So, yep. um, I definitely think that, you know, along with the food plot and, you know, the, the preseason work and stuff, but, you know, just definitely as soon as, as soon as October 1st came here, you're not just like, you know, out in the stand because exactly. it's, you know, it's 78 degrees and, and, you know, we can, we can go out there now with, with bows and try to get it done. But, you know, just going out there and being smart about when you can go out there. Like, okay, it's Wednesday. And just like you had said, you know, it's Southwest wind. I can't go, you know, it happened twice. Like, I think that that's a big key to, you know, really remember and use, 
when when the next time comes to be like okay well southwest wind i don't have shit to i don't have shit to hunt so Mm -hmm. i just don't hunt like how many times do we do that you know you just don't have anything east in the past we just just hang it up actual garbage yeah so but now yeah, now, now it's this, primo. Now, yeah. We got, east is what we want now. <laughs> right. Like, so, when's the next East win? Yeah. So you had your success. I mean, congratulations to you. Let's let's kick it over to Ryan. He killed a whopper. Um, let's break down the hunt for us. Kind of tell us how it went. But you had a flood in that area, which I, is kind of cool. Hunt right on Spoon River Bottom. And uh, we had that last rainfall. My tree stand was actually in the water. And trail camera was in the water got pictures of some wood ducks swimming by nice <laughs> it was pretty crazy and to back on the cameras that's helped me with my success this year i ran cameras probably six years ago bought some brand new cameras put them out in the timber was hunting a different piece of land i uh went to check them for the first time and went out there and cameras were gone mm. so i was like well all right cameras are gone so I hadn't run cameras for, I don't know, it's been six six years, I think, and then talking to Chris, and he was running cameras and getting a lot of pictures and a lot of data, and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. So I bought some cameras last year, and we started running cameras. I didn't get them till late. I, I got them out right before the rut last year, and we got some pretty good pictures and pretty good bucks, and I got to see what they were doing. So this year I got my cameras out a little earlier, and it ended up prompting us to make, what, three stand changes and change some locations, like, Actually, where I killed my buck out of, I had a stand, what, 10 yards away? Just on the other side of the trail they were crossing, but it was always the wrong wind. I could never find a good wind to hunt it. You see, just just to stop you there, but, like, I think that is something that somebody's going to overlook because you, you feel like you get you got all these trail cam picks, and you're like, oh, man, this is a great spot, and then you just go in there, and you can literally hunt, like, the first time and just blow it out. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I was doing. So it's literally, there's a beaver dam there, and they've got a pretty good washout where the water runs into, it's a, it's a runoff that runs into the Spoon River. Well, it's a culvert so where they can get farm equipment in there. And I was hunting just on the east side of it. And it was never a good wind, but I never paid too much attention to my wind. I've done a lot more research after talking to Chris and watching what he was doing, so... Did a lot more research, and when I'd sit in there, northwest wind blew my scent right where the deer were bedded. So I had little bucks come in and does come in, but the only times that I ever had a mature buck come in, he winded me immediately, blew at me, and he was gone. I'd never seen him again. So this year we went in and we moved the tree stand, I don't know, 10, 15 yards to the other side of the culvert to where northwest wind blows my scent more up the river instead of where they're bedding in a, in a maple grove on the edge of the river and i ended up working out in my favor you see like one thing that we've always said you know is there's the right tree in the right area but there's the perfect tree in in that perfect area you know there might be a tree that looks good you're like oh man this is yeah. it but it's not the kill tree it's not where you need to be like exactly this i can get up high it's got everything i got good shooting but there might be a tree over here that you could shoot 20 yards only but that's where you need to be to kill and that's something that we're figuring out like there's a tree that might be good but there's a tree that's the right one and, and we that's- actually did that this year when we were putting up tree stands it's it's where i started running my cameras last year where i got my best pictures during the rut 
is in that area and we went in there and we what six different trees i think we were at this tree we were at that tree we were looking at this angle looking at that angle and my tree stand is actually in a super screwed up hedge tree where we had to go back and get lumber to make the tree so we could get the tree stand (laughs) set up in there and we got it set up and i've seen i've only hunted it a couple times but i've seen quite a few deer out of it and i've kind of held off on it because what my cameras told me last year is the rut is when that comes into play. We, nice. we would we would get some some does and some little ones through there, but it was like that that week of the rut. Fourteenth, I think, was the super hot day last year. I had I had a giant walk through, and then there was three bucks walk through that day. The giant walk through at eleven o'clock in the afternoon. So, kind of holding off there. I'm gonna start maybe hitting that one a little more than the other one, but. That that's the one that you killed out of right there on the creek. No, that's no. that's the one that, as according to cameras last year, was super hot during the rut. So I've kind of stayed out of that one. I hunted it early because we did get some pictures cruising through there early, but I've stayed too, pretty much out of that one and went. I've been hunting down at the river. I think so that's, that's cool. Years in your past history, we say that a lot. Like that past trail cam data for someone that doesn't run cams or. It seems like a lot of people run cams and they kind of get like the batteries die or they kind of get wore out and then they're like, ah, oh, they just know, like pull it. <laughs> they just pull it, you know, and then they lose that data. But that year long data that you can look back on the next year and be like, okay, man, the, the 12th through the 15th, this was money. And that's yep. like us right now. We know where we need to be on the 12th. Like yeah. we know exactly what tree we need to be in. And we haven't hunted that tree at all. And we're staging up for the 12th. Like, (laughs) that's the one day we're going to hunt that thing. You know what I mean? Because there's a 170 that came through there. And that's, you know, we're going to hunt it those those three-day, that three-day time period when that doe that he bred that he's going to remember is going to come in to heat, you know, within those three days. Supposedly how they say it's going to work out. We'll see how it works, but. Yep. And, I mean, even even to back that up, like, on the 21st of October, I had... Um, what was the 22nd, the 22nd of October, I had last two years of trail cam data shooters in daylight. One was like 56 degrees. One was 37 degrees. So it was quite a difference. Um, I do not know the winds for each day, but I know that, you know, two shooter bucks entered and exited the doe bedding area that the camera set on, you know, a year apart. So two, Two years in a row, October 22nd, shooter buck in, shooter buck out. So I went in there the 21st, um, you know, hoping to catch that three-day window and um, no dice. So it was it was at least cool to, because this year we've got cameras elsewhere, you know, trying to track down, trying to bread trail giants elsewhere yeah. so i don't have a trail cam there right now but we need more trail cams i know we uh, yeah we need lot. like seventeen thousand. yeah <laughs> but i'm not buying the memory cards for them yeah. <laughs> so um it was just cool to like you know make an assumption and if it did happen like that would have been epic you know mm-hmm. but just to go in there and feel confident that I had an opportunity at a shooter because it had happened the last two years, you know, literally the next day. So, um, 20 seconds, probably giant in there. Yeah. 20. Yeah. just probably, yeah, just a day early. And that, that's why I told everybody. Time. I said, dude, tomorrow, tomorrow is going to walk by. So, um, I didn't see a deer, a deer period 
whether it was a doe or a buck, I didn't see a deer, period, on that sit. So, um, on, on to the next one. Yeah. It's hard to, a lot of people say that does come in the same time or bucks are going to be in the same area year after year. They're in the same time period, but that's something that means homing of testing, but nothing that we've never found. That's so what, it'd be, yep. you have to let us know what you figure out. Say, that's what I'm trying to do this year. I had that, that 14th of November last year was just a stellar day where this camera's in the camera's in the same spot. And this year, so I got my cameras out early this year and I don't know what it was, but October 17th, I mean, I got, I probably got three times the amount of pictures on that culvert spot on the 17th than I have any other day. I don't know what it was about the, the 17th. To add to that, you know, we, we've been sharing our pictures with each other, we're, you know, hunting different properties, and we've got another guy we share them with. And without, we and Ryan had had that talk in the garage, like, hey, look at the pictures I got on the 17th. And then our other buddy started sending us pictures on the 17th. So those days intrigued me. I, you know, I printed off the weather information for that day, and I just, why? You know, that why? I want to know why. So Somebody else shot a deer the 17th, but I can't remember who. <laughs> um, trying to scratch my brain here. <laughs> I don't know. Snow front coming in. That's all I can think of. Yeah, snow front coming in. <laughs> and that, that, the snow front, that actually about killed me. I almost didn't get this deer. I've been on vacation all week, kind of doing a home remodel and hunting all at the same time. And I had my normal fall bow hunting clothes out. Well, it was snowing like crazy on my way to the stand. And then when I got there, I started doing like what Chris is doing. Got my ozone in a box and stripped down to your skivvies and get dressed at the field. And I got there and it changed from snow to sleet. So I probably did one of the number one rules of the guys using ozone. I kept the clothes I had <laughs> on and use them as an extra base layer because when I got there, I realized the clothes I had is probably not going to be, be very yeah. good for this weather. And they weren't. I actually was in the stand and I shot him at like, I don't know, I think 12 after 8, I think is what I looked at my clock when I was texting Chris. But I, had, I think I text Chris at 7.50 that I was like, I don't know if I can do this. The sleet had soaked through my thighs. Mm-hmm. I ended up finding out. I had a hole in one of my rubber boots, so one of my feet was wet. I got in the stand. It was way cold. The gloves I had are just lightweight gloves. I oh, just yeah. wasn't equipped for it. So I'm texting him. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I can handle this. And it was just kind of one of those things. Like right at 8 o'clock, I just did my last look around before I packed stuff up, and I was just going to call her quits and go work on my house. And I just happened to look over my shoulder, and he was working mm-hmm. on a scrape at like 30 yards and gave me enough time to get set up and Walked in, I made a 10-yard shot and watched him fall over at 50 yards. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Can't beat those. So you had first seen him at 30, and then he had worked his way into 10? Yeah. So I'm sitting right on that culvert, and there's a maple grove behind me, and then there's a maple grove on the other side of the culvert. Well, he had came, we call it the swamp. It always holds water after the river floods, so there's always standing water in it. He came along the swamp. We ended up backtracking him in the snow to see where he came from. Came across the swamp, came through the maples. And I literally was just doing a look around because I was getting ready to get out of the stand because I was about at my wit's end for the cold. And right. he looked over my shoulder and he was just tearing up a ground in a tree and got a little warmer then. So Yeah, oh yeah. You're like, I could probably hold out a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> I got, got stood up and got my bow in my hand and I sat there and watched him, I don't know, probably two, three minutes. He just destroyed the scrape and then there was a tree that's still pretty fully leaved there that I had to watch him walk by, but as soon as I knew he was committed to go across the culvert, which is 10 yards from the stand, I was at full draw, and he walked in. 
times. So he's crossing the river to the other side. Is that what he's doing, or? Uh, he's it's a it's a washout where the beaver dam is. So he was walking down the edge of the river. Nice. A little pinch point. A little pinch point. Yeah, he was heading back to where yeah. they bed. There's a cornfield. The direction he came from, there's a cornfield probably 75, 80 yards from where my stand is. They come off that cornfield, and they, they usually drop down in the swamp, cross through the maple grove, and then come across the culvert, and then they head over, and there's... It's... I'm hunting right on the edge of... I think it's, I don't know, 90 to 100 acre CRP field, but the end of it is all grown up in maples right along the river. So they bed just like on the backside of those maples. Yeah. I think I think it'd be a good year for you that. I think we got to chalk one up to the beaver too because normally <laughs> that little washout you could walk across it. You know, it's deep, but it's it's not f- steep. You could walk across yeah. it. That beaver's got that at like four or five feet water right now. Nice. Because the flood so the, deer, the flood the came camera, up and filled it, so it's unreal you know? yeah they're pretty pinched to crossing that culvert without actually going across the yeah that's awesome man that you guys pinned in on the beaver man you're gonna have Hell. to like you're gonna have to be like all right beaver don't listen here beaver dams up. <laughs> yeah <laughs> listen here don't be rolling out on me i need you for next year <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you're getting a lot more bucks this year i mean you're they're they're moving through there he, i was looking at my cameras and i got like two deer that i want to get this year and he started running cameras and the ground he's at is it's I would put it at one of the best spots in Knox County. And he's like, what do I look at my pictures? I'm like, you have a shot at like 12 <laughs> shooters. <laughs> what do I do? I'm like, just be there. Just be you in know, the stand. Yeah. But what's crazy is, you know, you said you had, you had to run in with trail cam and someone took them, you know what I mean? And yeah. you didn't run that. So you just running trail cams, just taking that one extra step, a little bit more effort made it that much easier to know where you needed to be, know where you needed to move your stand. The the number one thing was, well, I mean, I never played the wind. I should have known that being on the other side of the culvert was terrible for my wind situation, but. You probably probably had an idea where they're bedded, but you getting all those pictures of them going back in there, you're like, okay, they are bedding back here. That's how we find a lot of our bedding areas. Like, this buck's going back in there at 550. 30 minutes before light, hour before light, you know, we're like, okay, this buck is bedding there. Or like freeze where we're getting him like three hours. We're like, okay, this buck's bedding a long ways away. So you kind of know where they're bedding by the time you're getting them. So that helps out a ton. Those trail cams are, are key. And like I told homie, I said, if we had about 25 more trail cams, I feel like we'd have a buck down right now. Cause then you, you just have, you're hunting in so many different areas, you know what I mean? And, uh, those trail cams are key to knowing like if there, is there a day is there a buck daylighting on this piece of public over here or is there a buck daylighting our private's pretty well covered i feel like we got enough trail cameras on our private yeah. to know if but like we're trying to cover a 20 or 2400 acre public piece with like six cams like you're not even scratching it you know what i mean you're not even like even brushing what what's going through there so well, I mean, if I could shoot worth a damn, we, we, we'd have a we'd have a one thirty down. Hey, one thirty tops, man. That's just hunting. but I mean, did did everybody forget this shed season that Ryan had? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> why, like why he's just you know all of a sudden on on shooters. Yeah, like, he he brought out some bow in this this spring, yeah. so I don't know why it's a huge surprise to everybody. Why what about all the bone I brought out? I ain't shot shit. <laughs> Well, I'm really good at finding antler on the ground. I just can't well, shoot him with you, a bow. You just haven't turned just to a the, gun. You haven't turned to the fence yet. 
I'm about to go high fence. It's getting close. <laughs> about to close the gate. I was say, say last year was the 17th, so yeah. everybody stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had a couple of good rut successes here. Um, a lot of good friendship, a lot of good hanging out bro time out on the the studio for Ingram. The rack shelf. The rack shelf. We got a lot of bucks to load up and get out of here. And uh, If there's not a Facebook page that comes alive in the next week out of out of this right here that's called a rack shelf i'm gonna be disappointed i just want to say i know we're on the podcast live i just want to say nick brown's here you guys heard him on the the podcast for the the freeze i appreciate you being here ryan i appreciate you being here man ingram huge me. shout out to you brother we love you homie sure. i don't even give a shit but <laughs> here we go <laughs> you know i love you um get out there it's the rut Get your ass in a stand. I don't care if you got a house 10 foot from you, you're 30 foot from your car, whatever you got to do, get dude, in a it tree. It looks like Nikki B's peeing in that trash can. <laughs> <laughs> we got a dude peeing in the trash can. We got to sign off. White Tail Legacy's out. Oh. Whoa. Whoa, what? What? I got. I forgot. I've said leave a legacy every time on this. Yeah, go ahead. Well, leave a legacy. White Tail Legacy's out. <laughs>